MMOers, and we're back. Welcome once again to Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We are covering part two of our Oscar Sprint profile of Jordan Peele's new movie, Us. Uh, what this episode has in store for you is the first 17 minutes or so are going to be uh, of the non-spoiler variety. We're going to have a recap, kind of set the stage for you what this movie uh, had in our non-spoiler episode that was released uh, just a day ago. And then we're going to have some big twists and turns after the spoiler warning music uh, where we tip off all that happened and boy is there a lot that happened in us uh, i am your co-host mike one this is co-host also mike yes also mike here we're, we're gonna take like a lead in that is non-spoiler to update you on a few things because we got to this thursday and to basically give you a lead in where we can kind of set the stage maybe correct or a few things that we update. talked about yeah yesterday. i mean the numbers have changed in the overnight which is very interesting to talk about and there's a brand new number which which is an, an audience score from rotten tomatoes that was not there at all last night so we're going to get into all of that, what we're doing here, if you didn't join us for the first part, with this is a two-part Oscar Sprint Profile review of Jordan Peele's Us. It's kind of the first Oscar-adjacent movie of 2019, at least we think anyway. We wanted to give it kind of a day to marinate, we saw it again, and now we're ready to give you the spoiler takes from basically what we saw and what we read and what we've heard from others, etc., etc. We are not well-rested. We stayed up <laughs> late to get that podcast out yes. to you last night the non-spoiler episode we also stayed up late you know reading and watching everything we could yeah yeah a lot of ending explained kind of youtube videos a lot of articles that we were sending each other yeah and i think you know we'll, we'll get into our interpretation of some of them but they are uh they run the gamut and i think that might be intentional but we'll see if the, how that lands let's talk about some updated numbers just yep. as a means of kicking it off here if you heard the non-spoiler you know that we projected the box office we had numbers that were really far and wide and varied this originally came out with saying a 40 to 50 million dollar opening you heard or a 30 to 40 million dollar opening i'm sorry then you heard uh, access hollywood give it a 50 million dollar projection boxofficereport.com went 61 we heard some people on twitter suggesting it might go up to 100 million because of the pre-ticket sales numbers that it was doing and now we're kind of settling back into a groove here it had a 7.4 million dollar opening on thursday night so that's five million plus higher than right. what get out did on its preview thursday showing uh it's on track for a solid 45 to 50 million opening less than 160 million or 100 million and 60 million i mean obviously but also not by any stretch a poor showing opening not at all i mean that's very strong especially for a 20 million dollar budget exactly especially when get out did 33 million dollars in its opening sure. weekend and really had legs for that month of March, we're looking at next week's releases, right? It's Dumbo. Mm -hmm. It's you know, it's not stuff that's really going to rival this. No, it shouldn't step on the horror genre, not yeah, at all. This, yeah, this movie should do well again next week. Just I mean, as a means on... of a historical perspective, yeah. seventeen films in twenty eighteen opened with at least a fifty million dollar opening weekend domestically. Of those, the Nun was the low domestic box office mark of one hundred and seventeen million. This is going to surpass that. This is just a better movie and a more rewatchable movie than the Nun. Obviously, even though it shares kind of the same genre, totally different types of films. Mm -hmm. Uh, as far as some updated audience and critical numbers, it's a 7.3, I think we said last night on IMDb. That has since gone up to a 7.6. And again, Get Out was a 7.7, .7, so this is getting up there. That's positive. I mean, the, the first wave of audience members, the true fans that went sure. on opening night, or the lunatics like you and I... <laughs> saw it and liked it and rated it yeah i agree that's definitely a good sign an 81 metascore which is the same as it was during our non-spoiler review rotten tomatoes that odd uh, critic score i'm sorry stands at a 94 certified fresh but up to 245 critic reviews now so it's it, holding it is holding and there is an audience score as i said to kick this off only over 300 reviews little over 300 audience scores right now 73 percent, which i think might be more indicative of how i expect people to kind of take this on their first viewing and we're mm -hmm. kind of still in this early range where there's no way anyone other than the psychos like you and I have seen this more than once already. Yes, we are psychos. And <laughs> I wanted to talk about kind of our feelings after day two with us, uh, in quotes. After the rewatch, you know, do you want to see this again, Mike? Yes. I do too. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely questions that still need to be worked out. Yes. I don't think that's chock full of answers and i think that's done on purpose and i don't know that there's exactly a through line allegory which i know is an issue for both you and i that we'll get into i think get out was more succinct and we, we are going to break this down in a few minutes but at least clear in terms of what it's yeah. going for its message and then there's multiple layers 
that that are going on with with this movie. This movie, like you said in the prep, and yeah, you said in a non-spoiler, it's very ambitious, very in its themes, and I think it has all the layers, but it, it's really shooting, going for broke on every yeah every single one of those uh, areas in terms of its metaphor. So I do not think this meets the definition of an allegory. I just I always looked at an allegory as something that was a closed system of symbols going for one theme, something like the Chronicles of Narnia. It's about New Testament. You know, I mean, right. basically that it is the New Testament just as, you know, anamorphized or whatever you want to talk whatever that vocabulary word personified animals per- personified. Sure. That's Onomatopoeia. A word I, that's a word I've heard. Onomatopoeia? <laughs> no, that sounds that's words that are out yeah, <laughs> no, I, I get I get your message and what you're saying. I think you're on the ball too. I don't think this is a traditional allegory in the sense that A means B right. or that all the subtext means one thing. And I think that's what makes it overly ambitious to an extent. That also could be to blame, I guess, if you want to call it blame, for why some of the exposition might be a little overexplained, mm-hmm. because there is a lot to kind of that he's trying to point you towards. Now, if you want to say that an allegory can be something as generalized as, like, American issues, yeah, then, yeah, this is a direct allegory. That would be at least my take from I it. I don't understand the term, bottom line. Right. If it means more than... If it has a looser definition... It's a matter of degree. What yes. is your de- yeah, what's your right. degree of what an allegory is? Okay. I agree with that. I'm not uh, going to quibble. In the traditional sense that this is only about income inequality or this is only about politics, we both have the same view that we disagree with that. Correct. Yeah. Jordan Peele has a quote that he keeps saying. This is from a Forbes article, but he kind of, every interview he does, he says the same thing. It's a non-spoiler quote here. Uh, He says, I think the main idea that went into writing this film is that we're our own worst enemy. And that idea created this monster. I wanted to forge this new mythology that explored our duality and the duality of the character. So to me that says, all right, yes, there's like a psychological theme, but there's also themes involving these characters. And I think that shows that it's working on multiple levels just right there. So if the old school definition of an allegory doesn't really make sense to me in that regard. But uh, we're going to break it down. Before we do, we kind of wanted to update you on our Oscar lens. As prelude to that, though, Mike, I wanted to chime in about requirements for original score. Yeah, this is something important since we were both blown away by the score. But apparently, under in your understanding of the definition, this wouldn't be eligible for an original score. It would not be eligible for an original score in terms of the I've Got Five on it reprisal orchestral theme. That song would not make it original. Now, I think there is original music in this movie. You know what? I just thought of that I might be able to argue that point, and I couldn't understand why they did that at this time other than credit, but maybe it's for this reason. If you look at the soundtrack to us... Right. That I Got Five on It reprisal is one of two songs, along with the original I Got Five on It, which is on the soundtrack, yes. that is given credit to Lunas, the band, the, the, the group. It's yeah. not the, the guy that did the music for the film. So maybe if they go with that it's an original from Lunas and it's just presented in this way, maybe there's a loophole there. Well, here's the thing. I, I kind of was hoping the same thing. You know, yeah. rationale. This movie qualifies in the sense that I think all the other songs qualify. Like, cause there's a lot. There's an original score for this movie. Right. But this is not original music, is what I'm saying. I know you're a lawyer. You're a very good one. And you yeah, just I'm going to make the argument. case. I need Jordan Peele and Loonies to call me because we're going to attack the to. Academy. Here. I would love at the end of the day <laughs> for them to say, and the Oscar goes to <laughs> Loonies and Randy Newman. I get five on it. I would love that, but I don't think. I don't. Yeah, think pr- probably not. We we assumed uh, we hoped it otherwise, but we assumed probably not going in anyway. But as far as your power rankings for what is most likely to get Oscar recognition, uh, maybe we'll do our top threes and and say what isn't. I know you did a top ten. If you want to go over it, that's totally cool. Uh, what is like you think the head and shoulders above everything else the most likely to be Oscar recognized? By I do think. Lupita Nyong'o as Best Actress has the best chance, but I'm going to have a hot take right now after watching this a few times. I don't think this is going to be an Oscars movie at the end of the day. I know we've in any regard. I love the movie. I really, I really do. I've loved both watches, and I, I think this movie 
is a little lesser than Get Out. And I think at the end of the day, that perception is going to hurt it. Now, I have graded this movie higher than many Oscar films Mm -hmm. of the last two years in particular. So this is going to come out a couple points higher than other Oscar films for me. So for would I choose this in my top ten at the end of the day? It's got a shot. No question. And there's two years ago where this grade, or close to this grade, is in my top ten all day. Bottom line, though, I think because it's more of a harsher horror movie, because it's a little elusive in terms of its meaning, my guess right now, if you have to put my feet to the fire, I know we're not totally in the prediction game, this is not an Oscar movie. Lupita's got the best shot at breaking into that best actress category. She would be my number one as well still, but I'm going to... I think as far as is the script, and the script is my number two yeah. as far as best. And chance. you disagree with me by, by with that overall. Well, thing. I think the legacy of how this script is going to be accepted as to whether or not it's an Oscar script or whether or not it gets the original screenplay. I hope you're right for the record. I think it's going to be written in the next seventy two hours, okay. honestly, because I think if if people see this for the first time and they are willing to accept that the brilliance might be hidden in a second or third rewatch. Right. If they use that time to wait before, you know, passing judgment as to whether or not they think it's a great script, mm-hmm. I do think that will enhance their viewing, and I do think that might add points to them if they see just how ambitious and just how many different topics it's pointing at and how, what its commentary is and what it's making you do as you leave the theater yep. to your own life. I don't think that's anything you can get on first watch. If people agree to wait and suspend their grading or their final feelings until they fully vetted the movie, this could be a script. Now, obviously, the counter argument to that is that we have proof that the Academy just plain doesn't watch nominated films. Especially We've seen that. Especially horror films. Right. Especially if they think this is going to be a scary horror movie. That's why I would like that perception to go away. Right. Because this is not a scary horror movie. And maybe it's that it is a big a studio universal is, yep. is in charge of the distribution of this a lot of people want to stay in bed with them and stay nice to them obviously for career driven reasons jordan peele there isn't a hotter director a hotter name in hollywood right now a lot of people are going to want to cozy up to him have something to talk about in conversation so there is that like motivation or career driven motivation for people in the academy to maybe see this even though they wouldn't have seen in ari aster first picture yeah. in My, hereditary to, to update something that i said yesterday i think i watched this entire movie again with a smile on my face i enjoyed the hell out of it there's a lot of great scenes right and i think there's a lot of setups and payoffs in terms of some script thoughts that we kind of but but you it's inarguable to say that it's better in the second viewing i think it's you appreciate really good i think it's great yes i i think it's an excellent rewatch i like the scenes more than i like the overall story and composition that's not that's not unfair that's really not unfair i i could see that i I think that's where i'm at now who knows maybe it'll click into into gear for me and i'll understand it better i'm gonna keep an open mind to this movie i want to see it yet again and maybe i will just love it all the more this has happened before for me where i've had a movie that just gained like five points after oh the light bulb went on but right now i'm i'm also original screenplay is my number two jordan peele's doing some fun things as a best director now this movie also has some great editing to it it does i like the sound uh winston duke is strong costume design is fun production design is fun elizabeth moss like we said did a great job shahadi Wright joseph i thought she did a terrific job i could see any like if this movie has coattails if it is that five or six nominee like all those people are right there on the edge one of my uh, what what it's curious to me, and I don't expect this to be something that is Academy recognized, what I'm about to talk about, but yeah. you named about, what, ten different segments ten of the film right things. there? Cinematography wasn't one of them, and I thought this was a very good. a very artfully shot film in that way. Where Here's the problem right now. It's so early in the new season. Where would you put this in last year's rankings for As, all these categories? Because I think that's an interesting exercise. Like, Lupita would be in my top ten, not my top five. That's yeah. kind of how I focused on Th- it. I, I think that's where we're going to land on this and that's why I'm kind of reserving judgment right now as to whether Lupita or the script will be one or two because I feel like the script has more legs the script I thought that was a, it turned out to be a weaker original screenplay last year but for me if I rank this script it's probably still six or seven 
in last Still year. On the outside. That's, what, that's like the only thing I could do is use my own subjective <laughs> empirical data. That's where I literally compared it based on grades overall. The grade. recent polls of also Mike. <laughs> I polled myself mentally, right. walking out of the theater. It, it definitely is. It's a curious exercise to do. So I I can understand the trepidation, but yeah, I don't think we're out of line to say Lupita one is probably where we stand right now. I don't know if she makes the top five, just as you seem to be convinced that she probably won't. I think we said in the non-spoiler too, it's probably a top 10 performance on the air, maybe 15. And that's probably likely where this will land. My, you know, looking at the slate of films we got coming out, I'm guessing we're going to have some yeah. just awesome performances by a whole range. You know, we're going to have 20 yeah, killer agree. performances. This one is really good. And I think the more I watch it again, I probably would, like yesterday I said 89 for her performance. I'd probably go 90 yeah, after the she's, rewatch. She's, she's great. So good. So but good. to me, anyway, and again, this is like the, the polling data from Mike 1, she's not Tony Collette. Tony Collette was never taken seriously last year. Last year was probably a weaker lead actress field than this year is going to be. Etc. Etc. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm in the same boat. Yeah. So, all right, we got it. We got to do some dancing, though, right? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's dance. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. All right, we're fully in. This is the spoiler section for Jordan Peele's movie Us, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar, the second part of the two-part Oscar sprint profile. Uh, if you've not seen the movie yet, what the hell is wrong with you? What Go do you have to it. do that's so goddamn important that you can't watch this and change your life? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, no, but go see it. This is a good place for you to hit pause. Go watch the movie. We'll be here waiting for you when you come back. If you need to see it a second time, we understand. Maybe do that first as well. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've seen the movie already, if we hyped it up in our non-spoiler section, or if you just can't go another minute without hearing the twists and turns, this is where you want to be. It's the analysis of the Oscar sprint profile, the spoiler section, the spoiler-filled review of Jordan Peele's movie Us, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Mike, we usually start this with some carryovers, so what are we doing here? Jeremiah 1111. And I will strike down upon thee with fearful vengeance. That would be great if that was the <laughs> was Bible the verse. Line. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? And he just, in like a really meta way, he replaced everyone's Bible in America with just this <laughs> picture of Sam Jackson. And it would be it would be even better if like Samuel Jackson was just in it. Like he was the guy with the 1111 on like his Lupita forehead. Like takes off the mask and it's Samuel L. Jackson. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> Jeremiah 1111 reads, Therefore this is what the Lord says. Quotes, I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. So it's very apocalyptic yeah. in that Bible verse from the Old Testament. So bottom line, we have a coup, basically an apocalypse of the underground. So in this immediate carryovers, we're going to talk about the major plot lines in a way. So we have a coup of the underground people. The tethered. The tethered overtaking the surface dwellers. Yes. So this is like the mole people fantasy, I guess. It's exactly what it is. I've seen Lizzie that. People. I've seen the mole, the mole people reference, which I guess was a Twilight episode in and of itself, too. Yeah. I'm not aware of, but uh, referenced many times. Yeah. Now, first question I have for you, Michael. Would this work, this overthrow with scissors? They have the element of surprise in their mm -hmm. favor. Would this work in West Texas? Have uh, you seen Hell or High Water? Uh, Do you know Texans? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I have. So, so bottom line is, West Texas. You walk into a bank, yeah. and you're trying to rob that bank. You get shot you, down by everyone. And everybody has like automatic. And that was weapons. a news story that just happened. Somebody was trying to rob a convenience store, and he was shot dead by the four people in there that all were you carrying. Know, the hero factor is down there, <laughs> like, is they're locked and loaded at all right. times now. Obviously, that's turned out to be just a, a absolute pox on our nation <laughs> these days with every all the acts of violence and all the idiots that get hold of guns. But I think the uh, doppelgangers in West Texas probably come up locked and loaded, right? They don't come up <laughs> they with They have scissors. their own guns. Uniquely enough, I think I heard in a movie once 
that scissors are the leading murder weapon in Japan because they don't allow... They're stringent gun laws, yeah. They're stringent gun knives, laws. Knives, so, I think I've heard too, yeah. Knives and scissors. It, it, I think maybe scissors is like the leading cause of suicide. Like with scissors, oh. people kill themselves. Oh, it's pleasant. It's terrible. But I think Jordan Peele saw the same movie I saw because I thought it was a Japanese movie that they reference that at the I, end of the day. I've seen a lot of talk about what the scissors is in a symbolic way. Right. I think the easiest explanation is that if these are the tethered and they're trying to become untethered, the easiest way to untether a thing is yes. to clip the cord, right? Makes sense. Obviously, she's using like the scissors, something that calls back to her childhood. The hands across America, she was wearing the t-shirt right. when she was switched. And she basically has been in this you know, asylum under the ground and those few things from her childhood are the only things she can cling to in her sanity right so a scissors about her cutting you know that little family of people holding the you know basically living together that makes sense too and she's doing it at the end of the movie like it's a tick which is brilliant right okay so bottom line is we talked about our best scene the other day and I, I, I definitely want to carry it right over because the, the reprisal of the Looney song, I've Got Five on it, the orchestral horror score once Lupita does the moonwalk backwards yeah. because there's all these Michael, <laughs> Michael Jackson references in this movie which is playing out so much more poetic now that we have Leaving Neverland and all the implications thereof. However you fall down on that, I know there's it's, it's, it's a dicey issue right I'll now. I'll be surprised. I was I was a little surprised they went forward with that. Yeah. Considering the timing of leaving Neverland because Michael Jackson is such a hot button topic. I understand the subtext in that, you know, it ties into dance so much and how right. this child has always had an affinity for showmanship and dance and uh, as a means of expression. You have a kid being abducted yeah. who essentially is being abducted and Michael Jackson's on yeah. her t-shirt at the time. Yeah. So that's saying Maybe something apropos. as well, per- perhaps. I have not seen Leaving Neverland. I don't I don't have an opinion on it, to be honest. It is something. I don't have an opinion yeah. on it yet. So bottom line is, but you have the whole dance fight thing. They're literally dance fighting, and Michael Jackson is the king of dance fighting in yeah. his music videos. That's a great point, yes, and... A credit. I don't know. I haven't done enough research to know if Lupita Nyong'o has like a dance history, but man, she was moving awfully gracefully. She's an, she's an athlete. Maybe I don't know if that was a stunt double, if that was actually her, whatever. But that was a, the choreograph of that. I would love to know if they actually had that all laid out on, like they had a dance person, a choreographer, yeah. teaching them those steps to that, go with it. That sequence is so much fun. It, you know, the 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 fight of it all, where she's taking the big swings and. And missing, and and she's playing with her food essentially. She's, she's. It makes sense based on the fact that that they switched makes so much more sense that the human Lupita would want the vengeance and would want to enjoy the vengeance so much. So I love that, and, I, and it makes it, you you have this batshit crazy premise, right? Right. And that plays through, and yet you have it grounded in that character, which is so important. So. To me, like this composition is still a very strong one. I I would debate people that would come down like this doesn't work, that doesn't work. I saw some some reviews today that basically sound like people only saw it once, and they had a lot of they still had a okay. lot of questions. Well, let's go here then because this is I have a long speech typed out. About All right, that. cool. <laughs> um, there's a lot of bad takes on this film out there, and I know because I've read and listened to a couple of them. All right, them today. let's go at them. Um, I'm not going to call anyone out specifically, but I don't. Let's Think. plagiarize them anonymously. Good. <laughs> I don't think that this is necessarily a fault of of people or the reviewer per se. Some of it definitely is, but I think people saw the movie, and because we live in this society, and this could be the basis for Jordan Peele's next movie, right. where we are in such a rush to get shit and content online and yeah, posted and be the first. I know where you're going with this. I like it. It's doing a disservice to this movie, right? Because if you do what we did and talked about and specifically didn't do last night, if we re- talked this one take, reviewed it one time, and thought just we had with it, bravado, yeah, and said just, we knew everything. Exactly. About it. You're going to fall into that trap. Yeah. I think, and this is giving Jordan Peele a ton of credit if he actually did this, but we've seen his touch as a filmmaker, so I'm willing to give him the benefit of this doubt. I think he did walk this tightrope about saying, look, 
Here's my vision. It's about things one through 13. It's not about yes. thing one. It's not about A. It's it's about all these different subjects. Yes. One of them is going to apply to you in your life. When you leave this theater, you can grasp onto whichever one of those 13 do. Mm-hmm. But you leave this theater, you're going to have to do some introspection and you're going to have to see this again and you need to rewatch this. And if you don't do that, you're doing the movie a disservice. And that goes back to the non-spoiler stuff we just covered where I said, I think this was done. I think this movie was made to necessitate a rewatch. And if you don't give it that respect, you're not going to get the movie. You're not going to get everything you can out of it. At least I love it. I love that take, and a lot of people are coming down very definitively that it means one thing. Right. It seems like that. I don't. And I, don't I, wanna... I said that last night after I read it too. Yeah, I, I, I I'll, I'll admit to you, watching this, I up until the final twist, and we can say that now that obviously read. Now I have a, that as a negative carryover, to be honest with you, because it was so telegraphed. I, I agree. I agree. I just wanted to finish the point yeah. before we get into that. Is that up until that twist, I was like, "Oh, this is about Donald Trump. These are red people, people dressed in all red. Yep. These are about internet trolls. How he brings out the worst of yourself when you have this cover of darkness and this disguise. Blah blah blah." And then the final twist ruined that, so it doesn't matter. That obviously is wrong. But there was so many takes about this is about income inequality. This is about this. This is about that. Right. I don't think that's the point of this movie. It's about all those things. Right. I yeah. think it's about all those things in concert. Now, with that said, because the twist did ruin my original viewing about what I thought the movie was about in the first place, yes, it, that twist it, was telegraphed. Did it, though? Did it actually because you still have people wearing red which is a, is, is, right. which is oh, a it's color there. Yeah. that goes towards one half of a ticket d- forming a human wall mm-hmm. and we have jokes about them wanting to go to Mexico yep. to get away from the people Americans well i think the line of and what a red or who we thought we have to delineate who's Lapita, who's red and who's the real person here what are we going to refer to those two Lapitas as for the rest of this program uh Bad Peta, bad Peta, and good Peta, and good. Peta. Who's good Peta? I think that's a terrible nomenclature. nomenclature. <laughs> Red will be the one with the hoarse voice. Because that that's comes her up. character right, name, exactly. And Adelaide will be the Lupita character. Because that's her character name. <laughs> we did God's work here. Um, <laughs> for me, not that there is a through line, and not that there is a direct allegory, but when Red, evil Lupita, quote yep. unquote, evil Lupita, when she says, "We are Americans," yes. That's kind of like the overarching narrative for all the many themes in this film. And that's because, at an act break, which yeah, is huge right. in terms of uh, screenwriting impetus there. They're just about to really kick into whatever, the, the second half of Act 2. I always I always say that's an act break, and I know people call it four-act structure, right. but it's also like Save the Cat three-act structure, <laughs> but it's halfway through Act 3. Anyway, they're, they're at that critical juncture and she drops that thematic line we are americans obviously the title is is us u.s US. i think that's the most important line for the conceptualization of this film because i think all of these problems that it does touch on and if we all agree that it does touch on all these problems they're very overly americanized problems there's a set of symbols about the politics there's a set of symbols about the economics Mm -hmm. about the about the sociology, yep. about the, the the biblical nature of right. it all, about the history that we've gone through as a people. There's all those symbols, and you could follow lines of those symbols for each one. And we're, we're going to hit on those throughout this review. But it's something else we want to be honest about, like we don't have this movie pegged necessarily no. at this point, and I think we've kind of mentioned that in an oblique way yeah. a few times, but I think we're getting closer on a couple of these things. So let's uh, let's kind of start, take this from the top, and Mike is giving this chance to redeem himself for past plot narratives that he's prolonged. Yes. This one, I see it in front of me. It is a paragraph. A single paragraph. So let's see how you do. Mike's going to give us the quick rundown of what actually happens with twists and turns in this movie. All right. Look, I'm basically going to go over the antagonism. So it was the best of times. <laughs> Adelaide is actually a underdweller or a tethered. tethered. Yes. Thank you. A mole person. Adelaide <laughs> switches herself with Red, who's actually a human being, in the first scene. Once we know that 
he doesn't finish that scene, to me, it's telegraphed. As soon as young Lupita's eyes bulge out and yeah. the camera cuts hard. Well, why wouldn't he finish the scene? I knew it right there. And there's so much stock being put into this quote-unquote twist ending. To me, it was like, oh, okay. Well, here's the thing, though. When you saw it for the first time, did you second-guess right. yourself and your own your own theory right there? Do you? Th- I wondered if he was going to just set... Like, I wish he just set me up with that. Like, right. everybody's going to think that she well, switched herself. So when I show my actual twist ending at the very, very end of this whole thing... They'll be shocked. It's, you're going to be shocked. See, here's the way I took it in that I, I did think it was obvious. I did think it gave it away. Yeah. But to me, by the time we got to the twist, I had forgotten about that setup because he packs so much into this right. with, with un- you know, subtext and right. all the underwriting stuff. So I had forgotten about it. I was like, oh yeah, that happens too. It's still satisfying to see it and then themat- to watch that final sequence and then to basically rethink that final sequence where they had that big dance fight right it worked it, it's I cool think it really yeah works. it is clever and I think the whole movie works when you view it in that light for certain because at the time I was second guessing myself alright you can't count all that blibber blabber <laughs> onto my you know little synopsis here alright so essentially you have Red who I call the Reg Pita here for some reason, that's what I don't know. all right. So essentially, you have Red living with the human, and the human living with the tethered. And when Red is is underneath, she essentially is realized to be special because she has the gift of language. She's realized to be different by all of the other tethered down there. She is their savior, for lack of a better term. And they do put her in a position where she can start to dictate things. She calls out that it took many years in her evil monologue at the end. She has a long evil monologue, which did not bother me as much as I mentioned in the non-spoiler episode. I was surprised it bothered you the first time because I wasn't all that... I thought it was necessary, actually. Yeah, I liked it. I It didn't bother me much at all because I kind of followed it better. Right. I, had to, I, I knew what was coming. And yeah, is it cinematic? We'll get to it. It's still a worse scene. It's own issue, yeah. All right, but bottom line is Red takes a leadership role, organizes a just complete apocalypse over years of time. And at 11.11, Jeremiah 11.11, that night. I didn't even put that together. I'm an idiot. It's cool. I didn't even realize that. She looks at the clock and it's 11.11. And then the next scene, this group has been staring at them oh, and it all it starts in santa cruz which is on the coast yep. so it starts that's ground zero for this entire hands across america thing that that happens now there's two openings there's the opening where the tv showing the hands across america and then there's the opening with the rabbits the opening with the hands across america and the t-shirt that she has is basically becomes the mission of her life so all the doppelgangers rise up they kill their surface dweller clones. Yep. And now you have them holding hands across America. But the one human being that we know of, Red, wants to taste revenge to at its fullest. And they have a, a longer fight between her family and the Wilson family of Adelaide's. And you have this big to-do, and that's the plot of the movie. Yeah. So, that was not too long. No, that was good. That was a good job. Okay. I hated the twist. I really didn't like it. So do you you hate it because you predicted it so easily? Or do you hate it because it doesn't work in the story? Because that's where I'm at now. Uh, yeah, I don't understand the value it brings. Unless, at the last minute, with no setup whatsoever, another one of Peel's lessons is trying to be that you can never really know who your family members are. I just think which it, is kind of shoehorned in. Well, to me. I mean, if you talk about it in terms of class structure, right? I mean, Den of Geek really pointed this out well. That was a great article, by the way. I'm going to reference it as well. Yeah, Den of Geek pointed out that in terms of the economics of this movie, like if you if you're a social climber, literally in this movie, right. she climbs a quite, escalator. Quite yeah, the kid climbs an escalator and becomes a part of the higher class. Correct? Mm-hmm. Literally. Right. It, when that happens, or that the fact that that can happen basically shows that everybody's the same and the fact that she can take over the lower class it, you know that shows that it's a little bit different but that's happened many times before i just uh, saw saw uh, early peter lou and you had you had somebody who was up from the upper class 
become a lower class hero. That used to happen all the time throughout history. So that's that's there has precedent. Maybe also now they're just thinking about it is that some of the subtext could have been, and this was something that Sean Fennessy brought up in the Big Picture podcast with Amanda Dobbins. They did another, they did a great deep dive into this as well. Maybe it's that the uh, prism of good guy, bad guy. Because you are talking about such topical themes and such socioeconomic themes and such relevant present themes throughout America, with those lines are blurred. So I think it, he's doing that absolutely yeah, deliberately. I, I think I, I think, that's I think maybe that's the payoff is that it doesn't really the origins of the characters. Everyone's just trying to stake their right. claim. Everybody, I think he put, it puts everybody on equal footing because like he just did a movie about racism. Yeah, and racism essentially is people based on their ethnicity are lesser than other people that's the perception so bottom line is even the clones in this movie they're still human and the clone can become as yeah as successful as she needs as she can be on the surface and then the human can come become as successful as she can be uh, oh, that's underneath. interesting. So you're taking it from an optimistic viewpoint. Absolutely. Like pull yourself I up by Jordan, your bootstraps. Jordan Peele is saying that these clones aren't lesser than the people on the surface. And I think that's But they're a, viewed as such. They're viewed as such in terms of their, you know, whatever, their motor skills, their Right. Vi- right. Their well, language. they're viewed as such by the above the ground people. Correct. Yeah. But they are totally living in squalor down there with this somehow cosmic connection right like twins and twinning mm-hmm. and all the whatever the, they have the the fucking shining down there two bodies one soul type thing yeah and that makes sense and he had that going on with get out too a little mm-hmm. bit but it's they basically have the shining they're telepathic is the word i was searching for <laughs> telepathically connected where some you know some like the little boy has a really close you know where he has to obey you know, and that I was hated that. That too. was very early on, but the, the thing was in the movie, like, you, all right, you hate it, but they set it up like five different times earlier in the movie. Like he will do, they do both monkey see, monkey, monkey do type thing. Simon yeah. says the whole fucking first. It just act felt of the movie. awfully convenient to the plot at that moment. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think there's there's some truth to all of that. And again, we, like you said, we don't have a firm grasp as to what any of this is, other than to say, oh, that looks like this type of message, and that looks like this type of message. So yeah, there's probably to that. I wouldn't have taken it as optimistically, like I don't view it as a pull you up by the bootstraps as much as I do by like, if the class system keeps separating at such a distinct rate like it is then we're, this could be where it heads. I mean, the underclass or the people right. the people that don't realize how good they have it, the, the above water, above dwellers, could be subject to an insurgence. For the class system metaphor to work, right. you have to equate both characters. And bottom sure. line, in, in terms of their capability, yeah, in terms of sense. their success, you just have to do it. They're both equally human at the end of the day, and you need a big... You, you know, punch to the viewer's face because immediately what would the viewer say about these clones that live under the surface that can't speak? I mean, they would think they're less than. Right. Of course. Anybody, right. we, even the way we just talked about it, they don't have any of the same, you know, uh, upbringing as, 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 as the people on the surface. If we're going to talk about best and worst now, highlights, lowlights, I, I didn't like the twist. I don't like the shoehorn narrative of the last second thing that it means and the stare that the little boy gives who is now Adelaide and he kind of knows that or at least it's implied that he knows that she's a a former underdweller because of how the dance battle ended it was strange because he watched his mom kill somebody up close yeah that, Sl- and slow with rage with rage and with primal noises yeah. that these other people make sure that the Agreed. clones make, the doppelgangers make. So the tethered, I can't forget, remember their term. <laughs> that could be part of it. He could sense, and he could have sensed all along that he's, you know, there, there's a different connection between them. And his stare at her could be like, well, maybe that's why I'm so weird. I'm part that too. But what does that matter at his, that point in his life? Like, that's still his mother. <laughs> it's still the woman well, yeah. that had and raised it's him. Not it's still like, his family. It's not like he threw a shoe at her in the final what? scene. He just stared at her and he's like <laughs> recognizing, all right, my mom is a stone cold killer 
who will kill for me and I know she might be of origin of everybody who just caused the apocalypse, but she's still my mom. I mean, you can extrapolate a million things. I think it's kind of a vague thing at the end. There, yeah, I, I, I did. It like just did, I, I didn't. I wish it was for everything that's so over-explained in this movie. And there are. I know we're saying there's a bunch of subtext because there is too, and that's why I think this script is very unique and worthy of acclaim. But right. for everything that's over-explained in this movie, I would have liked. Can he say something there? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, give me something that I can work off of, other than pure assumption. There was a major theory that he is also. I saw, tethered, yeah, that he was switched out. I'm gonna slam that down right now because go for it. There's no way he was switched out. I don't out see it either because he would come out not speaking. They established right. that with exactly. the first character right away. How would he come out speaking unless the other mother taught? Like, you really got to stretch. All right, the other mother taught him to speak. <laughs> And she brought him up knowing how to speak and then the burn the mouth of the other one. You really got to stretch. So, fine. You can... I think it's somewhat open-ended. But to say it definitively, like, he is a tethered. Yeah, he was in the closet. And that that's the other thing. Like, the other little boy didn't know how to deal with the closet that locked on him. If that was the little boy that became part of the tethered because of the locked closet, wouldn't that have been so traumatizing to him at that time? Yeah. To lead to the point where he would get his mouth burned to the point where he could not speak and and out the fact that he was a human being and the the mother's real child. Yeah, I I don't see that at all. To be honest, I no. don't think there's. I think there's plenty of holes, especially when you do you're going to such painstaking lengths to establish that when Red. I guess when Adelaide came up from the sewers and replaced Red at the very beginning of the movie, she had it was so noticeable right. that she was a different person from when Red eventually first entered the House of Horrors. Here's there. something with expectations. I I didn't say this in our guess the plot because I didn't want to spoil people. My guess, and I wrote this down in my document, so you can reference that. Nobody believes me. <laughs> I said in that document that I thought the boy was going to turn out to be a doppelganger having been switched because of his burnt oh, mouth for yeah. those very reasons. So I went into this movie based on the trailer having seen that expecting image that. expecting the boy to have been done with the whole switcheroo and then the movie ends and the boy had his mask on for the whole finale. The movie ends and, he, and it's the kid <laughs> with the burnt mouth. Oh my god! Or the, the burnt, I don't know how that would work. Double switcheroo but bottom line is you would have had them realize oh my god we got the clone kid. <laughs> We're going to love him anyway. put this one back. <laughs> I don't know but I thought there was going to be something involved with the kid being switched. So I was expecting that and to actually confirm that Lupita got switched. For me, that worked a little bit because I, I obviously saw the telegraphing, but then I kind of was guessing throughout the movie. What about the the idea of everything being over-explained and the explanations being kind of on the nose and drawn out? And Is that cinematic? That's the one thing. Now, on the other hand is they have so many implications, like we said. Like, you could talk about this movie from a socioeconomic right. perspective. You could talk about it from a political perspective, a religious perspective, a historical perspective. Like, we, we just ran down all those different... We can, literally. All the symbols. Right, sure. You have sets of symbols that work in each one of those channels. Of course, that is not simple. In the movie, there's an evil monologue. It's a major evil monologue. And... It didn't bother me as much on the rewatch. It bothered me on the first time. Like, this is not what's supposed to happen. <laughs> this is You're not supposed to do this. This is breaking rules. Well, isn't that the point, though? With every, I, I mean, I, I didn't have an issue with it. I know you did. But I, I do think there was some over-explaining, uh, especially in that first meeting between that whole shadow explanation. Yeah. I mean, I, so if, it was a little much for me. But yeah. isn't that kind of the point that you're not supposed to, in horror movies, give everything away and establish a set of rules right on the nose like that? I think my issue with this movie in terms of a worse is that the rules on the monsters or the tethered, they don't necessarily make sense throughout. They're not consistent throughout. I agree with that, and that's why I had a problem with the kid in the if fire If they're scene. all human beings, then, though, if they're all human in their own ways... Like the movie establishes with the kicker at the end of it, they're just a different type of human. They're, yeah, they're like bad copies. They're like if you moved a Xerox in the machine. Yeah, but if they're they, approximations. If, they, if they're going to be all the snowflakes in their own right, 
then of course they could behave differently and react differently and could have different brain chemistry even though they're all kind of of the same hive think but the bottom line is some of the monsters kill quickly some of them savor every mm. minute of, of death you know and, and it happens just with the tylers and the wilsons and what we see in the streets like we see all the people in the streets element of surprise you're dead, dead. very quickly the tylers kill their own uh people right their own clones quickly the bad tylers and then they put the lupita in handcuffs for some reason right why why would they kill yeah those rules those rules weren't weren't established i also wondered if like one clone couldn't kill anyone but their clone if that was like kind of an i was wondering if that was a rule too so that's unclear but does that make it bad i don't know if it makes it bad it it makes it fit the script very conveniently yes. because you need suspense yes. for the latter half of act two you know defeating this not the main villain but leading up to the boss you gotta right defeat the tylers um i want to talk about the tyler family and those killings and how that was shot and all of that as positives that yes. was some of my favorite of the movie the scare first of all was kind of an oh shit moment for me because when you see tim heidecker <laughs> Look at the clone of his daughter, excuse me, and then she just stabs him. We were given nothing to like suggest that this was a problem outside of the original four family members, right? Like there was nothing in the lead up or any previews that suggested we were going to see a clones world, of everybody. Yeah, a worldwide apocalypse. Right. Hell no. Exactly. So that was like the first indicator to me of like what the fuck is going on here? And it's cool because when, you know, he's fighting the husband on the boat, the the big guy. I loved that. He's yelling to the other guy across the way. He's like, we're finishing up with these assholes. Go, you know, you know, you can go ahead and start on them or you can take your position on them. <laughs> and then the, you hear the other guy going, ah! I, the, the clone Heidecker. Okay, the doppelganger of Tim Heidecker. I love, and this is why him Shake and Elizabeth, no, him and Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> like the fact that these clones, you get so much more personalization and explanation as to what exactly these tethered are capable of, yeah. or what they are psychologically in the Tyler family react or interaction than you do at any other point in this movie. Because uh, Tim Heidecker's clone kind of suggests that okay, these clones are, like you say, they are individuals. They are capable of their own thought. They're kind of approximations of what their human counterparts are. And that's why Tim Heidecker's is walking like such a jackass down to the boat. He does the big shake my hand, no thing to the real Elizabeth Moss at the end. He was breaking balls, Gabe's balls, about the boat. Yes. The fact that you probably didn't buy a very good boat. <laughs> you bought a cheap boat because I know you. You're my friend for how many years? You buy cheap shit. Did you get all these things? It goes through the checklist. So he, he walks on the boat. Yeah. Like, oh, this is it. Like a jackass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It was really so funny. funny. Yeah, it was really good. Elizabeth Moss, too. This was something. Perry Nimiroff did this. Made this point in Collider. It's not something I thought of, but I need to echo it because it blew my mind. When Elizabeth Moss's clone puts on the, the lip gloss. Yes. She, she made the point, how many times when the real Elizabeth Moss was doing that above the surface, must have her tethered have been mimicking that motion over and over again so with finally, nothing. So she finally feels the lip gloss going yes. on and why that was such a satisfactory smile, satisfaction smile from her. Right. That was such a great point. And it, again, the personalization of these clones to me is in their interactions and from some of the stuff that you have to do mental gymnastics with. And I think that's the hallmark of a great script when you have to leave thinking. There's a lot of great things in this script. I totally agree. And and just go to go back to that Gabe versus whatever bad Tyler, Mr. Tyler. Evil Heidecker. Evil, <laughs> evil Heidecker. So the whole uh, crescendo of the uh, on the beach, the little discussion about the boat was, well, did you get a flare gun? And he, and he looked for, <laughs> I thought that was going to be the moment. <laughs> so he brings, he yeah. busts out the flare gun to shoot him, and then the flare misses does it. nothing. It's so funny, <laughs> and it's just like, it sets you up, and I was hoping that was going to be a foreshadowing the end twist. Somehow they would he would do something different on us. With a better flare gun? With a better flare gun, or... <laughs> A different twist. The uh, the Tyler, I mean, my God, is Jordan Peele taking notes from Hitchcock? The Tyler murders, how those were all seen from like a perch, yeah. and we saw them all four almost happen at once, simultaneously right. in one shot. That I mean, that's like Rear Window type stuff from from out of Hitchcock's playbook. Yeah, it's more for spectacle than it is for. Uh, suspense, I would say. Oh, it's, it's artistic. It's, it's I artistic. Think it's wholly artistic. The, to me, this felt like a, a horror movie pop music. 
to me. In That's many interesting. Ways. It's not like hard rock. Like for horror movie people that need to be afraid. Like to go into a movie and just get shit scared yeah. out of them. And, and maybe it's the opposite term. Maybe something like The Nun is pop music for a lot of horror people I, these days. Probably, so yeah. I don't know if this works, but this is like a very artistic way to do a horror movie to yeah, me. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. This and is I think... the Phil Collins of horror <laughs> movies to me. <laughs> this is Susudio of all <laughs> horror movies. No, I, I, I do think there's something to that, and I think there's something to... to... It's easy listening. <laughs> I think Peel taking direction and to obviously inspiration from these masters of the genre can't be ignored. And I think that's why it's so easy to make the comparison to him. The only other comment I have as far as highlights or lowlights is... And it, to note, by the way, but sorry to interrupt. Yeah. We've turned a lot of lowlights into highlights based on their payoffs or their yeah, extensions. That's which is good, good, a good omen. And, and good screenwriting, too, yes, I think. Yes. Does he try to do too much... And pack too much subtext and too much imagery and too much script-wise in that second half of the script. I mean, are we so overloaded with exposition and setup that it's kind of a rushed finished? Here's the thing, Mike. I want Jordan Peele to do a horror movie epic or an epic film. Because I think yeah. he's getting ready for that. Because this is a small movie, but it has big mythology. Sure. These are huge issues. Yeah. And issues. And he has all this mythology that he does have to dump a bit on your head with a monologue and and accelerate it with a with a Halloween four elevator ride. <laughs> well, that's why I say too. Like, yes, Get Out is, for lack of a better term, cleaner and more direct. Yeah, but it also isn't. It's not only not as ambitious. It doesn't want to be all the. It's got one message. It's not a world apocalypse it's, on the one hand. It's but not it's, a it's, novel. Yeah, it's right. a, it's a it's a chapter. I can believe in one laboratory. Right. You know, I mean, I'm not going to spoil Get Out, even though most of you probably saw Get Out. But I could believe in one laboratory and one family right. of doing certain that, Yeah, that's a great point. This is supposed to be extrapolated on a grand scale, and it makes us ask so many questions. And one of my big worsts was, like, how plausible is that underground bunker? They only, really, they only eat rabbits. They all just do mimicry down the there with the shining. I mean, they're basically, like, wouldn't they keep running into walls? The tunnels just totally you have inside. To, yeah. You have you, to excuse you do, that. You, you have, have to. You have to, correct? Not only is that not the point of the this movie at all, right. but he kind of explains that away at the very opening title card. So right? The, yeah, There's the, thousands of miles of underground tunnel. Just that's basically him saying, "Take my word for it, this could happen." Yeah, Austin Powers, <laughs> you could go cross that. Right. right. So, bottom line, it doesn't make sense to to go crazy about all that. I've seen some critics get up in arms about that today. I have too. I, have. I don't understand it. I, I, I think that's that's people again. I respect their opinions. I will not believe they saw this movie more than once if that's what they're focusing on is criticizing this movie. Right. Because, of course, there's a lot of questions, but why is that a bad right. thing necessarily? Why does it matter? It doesn't matter to the play of the you whole You have jumped to conclusions, Mr. Uh, you know, they've jumped to conclusions. <laughs> right. Mr. or Mrs. Any, anybody. The yeah. bottom line is, I think, upon rewatch, I learned a lot more about yeah. this movie, and I got a lot of boxes checked, and I'm not as anxiety about things that didn't make sense to me. Is that a word? Watch. Anxiety? I don't, I don't know. I that's hope a great so. word if that's I real. I hope so. I'm not going to check you. That's a word now. Mike, let's get into some best, though, because number one, the costumes. I love them so much. You have Talk the, about subtext. The red jumpsuits, yeah. which means a lot of different things. It means something about the poverty line. It means something about profitability, non-profitability, black, the, red. The prison problem. It means yeah. something. Like the fact that they're jump, jumpsuits means something for the socioeconomic yep. you know, allegory, whatever, whatever it's symbolism. The ruling class is holding down those poor. Yep. It also means something because they're wearing one glove, which is a Michael Jackson thing. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I'll be honest. I didn't know what to make of the one gloveness. I couldn't. It's a Michael Jackson that, thing. But is it just Michael Jackson? I don't know. But they're all wearing one glove, and I right. don't know what that means. But I do know it's a Michael Jackson. Thing. It is a Michael Jackson. That's I, I for love sure. the fact that you have like the Thriller T-shirt. I want the Thriller T-shirt, even though it's fourteen sizes too big for me. So she's obviously crazy about Michael Jackson. I, and I, when I saw that too, the first time I was like, oh, <laughs> like that should have been edited, right? But yeah, you're right. It, it does mean more. Like everything else in this freaking movie, it means more than your first impact. I'm going to build this entire nightmare <laughs> in Dante's Inferno down right. here all the way up to a dance fight. Right. Like, like Michael Jackson did in the bad music video. So basically, it does make some sense that you go with the accessory of a yes. glove. Yes, yes. <laughs> it fit very nicely. Uh, 
everything at the Tyler's house. I, I everything with the Tyler's period. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And my God, can Elizabeth Moss just stay in horror from now on? When she's cutting herself, kind of like the other one had some work yeah. done on her face. That, so, that's exactly the parallel. Yeah, it's, it's so good. And then the husband and her relate. You believe that that's all right. It's a marriage that is going through turmoil but they're still like kind of they kind of like staying together other. for the kids well but he, he's also all right they're basically in the the fight of their I'm, lives i'm, I'm, I'm a little i'm a little busy right now little, yeah they know how to push each other's right. buttons in many ways but they, he'll still look for her at the end of the day right and he tries to have fun with it but uh i love everything tyler's and then it's that's a great suspense sequence it's a great action movie sequence and i freaking love so much that the kids have agency and they go in there and for the most part i quibble a little bit all right why are we handcuffing lupita i don't know maybe they're cocky now that they just killed the other family so fast all right fine i can stretch but i love so much that the kids actually get some kills under their belt and it makes love sense. that oh, i love the family dynamic how you're still bickering and arguing about you're in the middle of an apocalypse could anything matter less than who gets to drive the car right now from leaving this house could that matter any less but in the grand cool scheme of things the girl is riding a wave of confidence oh yeah she just there's a lot of characterization her in there. Absolutely. Younger brother and she knows her dad is is limping he probably tore his he's hurt the mom's hurt yeah he she tore got, everything I, in his I knee. totally agree the mom has handcuffs and she can't really i don't know what she's doing later on because she drives and she's like that was her big thing before i'm gonna drop yep and exactly her whole life i need to drive because i need to be independent but Let's it's go. not even that like yes you're riding this wave of confidence i'm hurt she's handcuffed you got it honey you it's like no he's still the dad of a teenage girl being like you can't drive yet well, you think <laughs> you think it's gonna be a comedy of errors right or it's gonna just they're gonna wind up on the side of the road running towards a woodshed with all tools, right 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 like in a freaking bad mm-hmm. horror movie but no she right away kicks that girl's ass and that's great. And I love that Jordan Peele has capable horror movie protagonists. It's something we touched Always. on in the non-spoiler review, too. What makes this this new wave of horror so refreshing is that the, the capabilities of these new wave protagonists, it aren't, they aren't the people hiding in the corner trying to sneak attack their no, counterparts. We're fighting. They're fighting face-to-face and hand-to-hand. They're going for it. And they might lose the upper hand at times, and they always do in these movies. And he's a good action movie director. That's why I think like he could do like an epic action movie at some point. He could do an epic fantasy. He could no. Write I'm not. I don't. I don't want it. Listen, I've waited so long for a good horror movie <laughs> yes. director. The yes, next guy. with a big studio attached. Yes, <laughs> let's give him the hundred million dollar horror movie first. Mike, I love the Winston Duke fighting Abraham. You know, Gabe fighting Abraham in that boat, and the fact that every single little beat of that sequence is foreshadowed by the dad early craw daddy yeah. which made me laugh harder the second time and he's basically foreshadowing the engine stopping mm-hmm. and then the thing goes a little left each beat of that sequence is foreshadowed by the dad yeah and then the fact that he's smartly getting out of there and escaping as the guy is banging on the the engine escaping through the bags I also like awesome. that the tether knew the issue with the boat, knew how to drive the boat because he was mimicking the whole time down there. Anytime yeah. Winston Duke got on the boat, he knew how to hit the the. I, I, that's when the mimicry pays off best. Right. Where it pays off worst for me is when the kid, the child, backs up into his own demise when he's already done this elaborate setup to blow up the van that the family's in. Well, it's convenient, too convenient for my liking. It, Again, it's a setup in a similar way with the Simon Says stuff, but the father headbutting. Let's. I'll stay positive for a second. The father headbutting yeah. that thing was was great. It was awesome. It was. I, I love that so much. So my last thing in terms of best is you just have so many parallels. You have the boy's magic trick. You have so many setups and payoffs. You have the parallels. You have the, the boy's magic trick comes back twice more. Mm-hmm. You have the the it really you have a, like all these symbols and all these little things that you use these props essentially they happen they have like three different scenes for each prop right the room that locks you have a couple different instances with that room you have uh the first scene you like black panther you have a prologue scene that happens to us three times Mm -hmm. we see it three times in all three acts i mean even some big movements like the tyler the bad tyler family coming back after the Wilsons. I mean, that's a big thing, but obviously it was foreshadowed because you saw them murder the, the the Tylers. The daughter driving, the song from Looney's, I've got five on yeah. it. They all get foreshadowed for 
big payoffs. Yeah. And the Looney song is perfect. Maybe the best part of the movie. Maybe, it, the, maybe the best part of cinema in 2019. Again, a screenwriting principle, you use it in three acts. You don't forget about it from the beginning of the movie. I've Got Five on it is a signal to Dad who's out there. Dad, if you're still alive out there at the Tyler house, I've Got Fives on his plane. We have control of this house. And that was an easy laugh, too. <laughs> call the right. Ophelia, call the police. Yeah, now playing Fuck the Police. Yeah, <laughs> that was an easy laugh. Um, I also appreciate it, and I know we're going a little long here, but it's worth mentioning uh, because I'm going to do my damnedest to get this nominated for Best Original Screenplay. All right. Um, I think it's worth mentioning. Even the things as innocuous as the peculiar look that who we think is real Lupita gives at the Frisbee when it lands perfectly over the dot on the blanket... How it's one stuff. thing covering another thing that's underneath it and using it as support. Like, come on, man. Are you kidding me, Jordan Peele? I, I liked it because you had a lev- you had the spider walking underneath yep. the yep. bigger spider. You had the, the rock, paper, scissors mm-hmm. game where the two people at the carnival kept getting yeah. the same thing. Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> believe this. Oh, my God. I can't believe this. And then, of course, you had 11-11. There was another couple little things there. Yeah. But I've, when... The, the bottom dweller comes to the surface. All that shit happens. Oh, God, that's, it was so. It's just cool. so so good. Uh, Jordan Peele is is amazing. And again, I don't mean to keep belaboring the point here, but watch it more than once. Read up on it. Look at different takes. Find people you disagree with and try to hash out why. Because this movie deserves that kind of respect. And if you give it that respect, I believe in my heart of hearts, you're going to find this script to be more uh, influential, more powerful than you think it is on first blush. I don't expect the Academy to do it, but I think they should. And we kind of teased you about all the different systems of the symbols. I think it's probably best that we just leave it there. I guess I'm not definitive on any which one of them, to be honest with you. Or do you feel like you have one handled well, better than the others? The income inequality thing was kind of the main theme that that article by yeah, Den of Den Geek of Geek, did. they really nailed that. That was home. David Crow again, Den of Geek. Okay. He references an article that was done in the New Yorker about how people rich and affluent and making an income of millions a year still saw themselves as the middle class because they had friends who were making $20 million a year. And people near the poverty line saw themselves as the middle class because they knew people that were homeless. And how there's it's this very Americanized ideal that you're always striving to be better and never really accepting where you are in life, even though there's nothing to be shameful of. It, that does translate easily in this movie if you want to have kind of an overall arching thing. Yeah. I don't think it's the only thing, obviously. I've, I've said that. But I do think that very clearly, if you need to hang your hat on some piece of subtext or some theme, I think the one maybe most pervasive is that one. But again, I think there's like seven or eight different ones all throughout this movie. Yeah, I agree. It, it makes sense that the red line of poverty forms right. the hand across, hands across America thing. It's a flashback from the 80s, heyday of trickle-down economics. You can get after the political angles of sure. this. We don't have it pegged at this moment, no. so we're not going to pretend to put that together so for you today. I wanted to end on asking you a nice, easy, simple question, um, if you'd indulge me. I'd just like to get your opinion on this. Is there a moral obligation to assess ourselves and recognize when we're at an advantage in life? And if so, what are we supposed to do with that privilege? Do you have that answer yet? Or? I, I Yes, I do. I do think <laughs> you should help uh, other people. You should help people who are underprivileged. I think that's bottom line, right? Is that one of the things you left the theater with thinking i don't mean to like put you on the spot like that but to me i think introspection is a big way i think he meant to have people assess their lives and maybe who they stepped over on the way or maybe that homeless person they ignored walking down the street one day because they thought they were better than them i thought there was a lot of you know again by presenting so many themes relating to one pick one and assess your life yeah i mean there's definitely a theme going on here of in your in the history of these characters They've been focused selfishly on their own lives, right? And and that's running without through every character at different points, especially Winston Duke. And it's kind of chickens coming home to roost. And literally, you have a hole that the government repressed. You mm. have a whole race of people under the under the stairs that come up and create an apocalypse because they are forgotten and living in squalor, and nobody paid attention to them. So. Obviously, this movie is saying that in, in terms of its entire composition, as well as in terms of, yeah, like you said, it w- works with each character. I agree with that totally. Um, 
God, I, I really, I really appreciated this movie, and I think uh, Jordan Peele is my hero. The script it, it gets better and better upon. Re-watch. Doesn't it? It does. <laughs> I still think I st- here's here's where I'm at now. Yeah, like it's still on the fringe for me of last year's scripts, my top five scripts. However, like I could see it jumping in, like uh, talking ourselves into it. The problem becomes what is the academy never think of a of a horror movie of a movie that works more on the psychological thriller Mm -hmm. horror movie level like this movie the only way it does is if people want to cozy up to universal and jordan peele and and i mean any other director i would say no chance there's a chance just because how relevant and hot jordan peele is so i can see that you know that again career motivation playing yeah and that's why someone who wouldn't otherwise watch this in a member of the academy does turn it on but I just, I'd be shocked. I really would. I think it's worthy, and I think the more I think, talk, and watch about it... Well, here's the thing. Like you just said, the theme at the end of the day is a tough pill to swallow yeah. for people if they really try and yeah, swallow it. it is. Because it's like, all right, the American dream is right. fucked up. Pursuit of happiness is fucked I mean, if you we take any of these... ruined this land. <laughs> if you take any of these ideals and go to 11 yeah. with them, yeah. it's an issue... And I think Jordan Peele is saying all those things. And so let's just nominate Green Book and let it win. Best original screenplay winner from 2018. Oh, no. I'll remind you all. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's put a final grade on this, Michael. So walking into this review, I was like a B plus 89. And I think I talked myself or you talked me into an A minus 90. I think I'm right there. It makes sense for my other B pluses, A minuses. That's yeah, where I'm at. I did the same thing. I'm, I was an 88 coming in. I'll do an 89. So we're only a one point different instead of a three. But yeah, I think it's a... Something's wrong though, Mike. <laughs> it's, what time is it? <laughs> we don't have the three point Listen, curve. if there was a doppelganger of me that came out, I would just like, go, take, take it. You want this life? Go. Here. <laughs> Where can I go? Where do you live? so sad. (laughs) Uh, Guys, we want to know your thoughts about this movie. Did you see it this weekend? If so, did you think any one of these themes that we touched on is any more pervasive and prevalent throughout the movie than others? Uh, If if so, why? We'd love to hear your examples and thoughts on that. Let us know. You can reach out to us. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar.com. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com. And Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Reddit. We're available everywhere. You hear podcasts. Tune in, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, etc., etc. Michael, do you have five on it for words of wisdom? I thought I was going to say I've got five Oscars on it. <laughs> I got to think of something. Hopefully, else. one. Look, I, I think uh, I think I want to be like Gabe, you know, and Lupita. I, I want to be them. I think that's some some wisdom. Just, just that. That's it. Just cool. <laughs> they are cool. And that's they, for sure. They, they fight like beasts. And they're so smart, and and they, they. It seems like they do well. They have a summer home. So a lot of people will leave this movie feeling introspective, and Mike left wanting to take one of them for as a Street Fighter character. <laughs> no, I want to. Be, I want to. I, I want to hang out with them, and I want. I want all their possessions. So maybe I am their doppelganger. <laughs> there you go. That's good. You are Lupita Nyong'o's doppelganger. I am red. I'm covetous, and I am therefore have to get introspective and look at my own life and myself and why my version of the American dream probably isn't what it's supposed to be because it's based on the fact that pride goes before the fall and all these other metaphors that come into play that means you know the problem is us wow all right the problem at the end of the day is us uh yeah original guys with that (laughs) when reality sucks come watch movies with us we'll see you next time see ya